everyone. Welcome to That's a Good Question, a podcast of Peace Church. This is a place where we answer questions about the Christian faith in plain language. I'm John. I get to serve as a pastor at Peace, and I also get to serve as the weekly host of this show. And I'm here today with... Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Peace Church. That's right. Excited to get to have a conversation. If you want to submit questions, you can do so at peacechurch.cc slash questions. The big one we got to cover today is this. What is a healthy church? Yeah. Yep. This is a, an important topic, and it's a topic close to my heart because I am a lead pastor, but also because I'm a Christian and member of the church. And oddly enough, I just addressed this not too recently, or actually very recently in a sermon. And uh, it is a, it's an important topic. And I think in our day and age, when the world is so divided on so many issues, it's easy for the church to feel that um, and, and therefore unhealth creep in and become part of the right part of a church's life, which is not what Jesus wants. I mean, if you look at Jesus' final prayer, hours before his arrest, torture, and crucifixion, one of the primary thrusts of his final prayer was that we would be one. Mm. It would be unified. And while he didn't use the term health, I think that's exactly what he's look, pointing at. Right. That we'd be unified, we'd be healthy, we'd be strong, effective for his mission in this world. Yeah. All right, so let's start historically. So historically, uh, going back to the Reformers 500 years ago, uh, guys who started the Protestant church broke off from the Roman Catholic church. Those guys talked about some marks of a true and healthy church. They had three. First one was proper preaching of the word. Proper preaching of the word. They also talked about the proper or right administration of the sacraments. And then uh, everybody's favorite topic, church discipline. That's right. That's right. It's kind of unique uh, to think about those three things. I think, you know, obviously, if you know the history, you know, that makes sense to you. But, you know, thinking just from where we sit today, who would think of church discipline as one of the markers of a healthy church? Yeah, right? I think it's because discipline carries such, such such weight in our world. And I think you know, another way you might think about it is like just true accountability. Our church yeah. members being held accountable to the the life that God's called us to live. And when we go wayward, that the, the church is doing what God's called them to do the, to bring back those wayward souls. That's right. That's right. And that's, that's such an important way. When we talk about church discipline, uh, we'll have to do a future episode on that at some point. Yeah, but, we probably should actually. Yeah. But for now, I mean, it's just important to realize that uh, discipline has a positive goal. It has yes. the goal yeah, of bringing exactly. back wayward people. Church discipline, you know, people might think of kind of just plain old kicking people out of the church, but that's not quite what it means. Right. What it means is uh, holding brothers and sisters accountable for, Sit in their lives and inviting them to follow Jesus more closely. Um, with it's, the it's whole. about yeah, yeah, it's it's not about it's not about reprimand. It's about restoration. Yeah, exactly, exactly, totally. So I think what what I like about when, you know when the reformers identified those three things, it's it's wasn't uh, it, it you know the qualification wasn't is everybody happy at your church? Ah, is is everyone agreeing with what the, the elders are saying? Um, does everyone like what the pastor's preaching? Um, it wasn't contingent on um, people's happiness uh, towards their church or the direction of the church. It's, it's, are the church doing the right things? Is, is the church preaching God's word? Is it, is it um, rightly dividing the word of God? Is the sacraments being held to the esteem that they should be? And are members being held accountable to, yeah. to the life that they've signed up to live? Yeah. yeah. As opposed to our day and age where we probably think things like the church is healthy because um, no one's gossiping. Everybody's happy. You know I mean? Th those sort of, yeah. so those sort of markers. I love how the reformers kind of bring it, bring it down even deeper just to the yeah. base level of no, 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 no. Is the, is the church doing the right things? Right. Yeah. They're starting more with 
the Bible and what Jesus says yes. the church should be. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just what puts smiles on people's faces, yep. keeps them content and showing up. So cool. So thinking about that's kind of our historical perspective, but thinking about today and our you know unique situation of of what it's like in the world today. What are some of the things that you think stand out most? about a church that are markers of health in the world today? What stands out and is like, oh, wow, that, that makes a healthy church just, just pop out in the world today. Well, let me, let me kind of throw back a question on you. Um, I remember in, in seminary, we had a professor who had this sign on his door and it caused a lot of conversation. And uh, the, the sign said, healthy things grow, healthy churches grow. Mm. And it was this notion of like part of the sign that your church is healthy is that it's growing. Mm. And I know in our world, we're really averse to quantifying things down to numbers, mm. but that's a way to understand if your church is growing or not. Now you could also say there's also growth as in spiritual growth and spiritual yeah. depth and those sort of things. But I'm just kind of curious, um, Pastor John, in, in your estimation, do you put numerical attendance growth? as a marker of a healthy church. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to just make it hard for me, don't you? Yeah. I wanted you to answer um, first. Oh, uh, that's funny. I, here's how I would say it. I would say that, um, a numerical growth is a byproduct of a healthy church. Um, so in that sense, it's a, it's a, an important metric to watch, but it's not, you know, the sum total of being a healthy church. So, um, I've talked with, with guys, um, that have talked about, they started with a church of, you know, X amount and they'll say, I grew it down yeah, to right. about 30 people or something, you know, something like that. I think the biblical term for that is pruning. Right, right. Totally. Right. And, and the point is to say that, you know, they, they grew it in terms of spiritual health, but not numerical health at first. Yeah. But then, so I'm actually, I'm thinking of a specific of a church in our area that's very large um, that the lead pastor, you know, 30 years ago or whenever, when he started that church, he talked about, it was, you know, a couple hundred people. And he said, I grew it down to 30 people, yeah. but now that's a church of multiple thousands of people. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that's a good example of, you know, it involved pruning at first, but then once the church became truly healthy, it did take off in yeah. numerical growth. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to look like, you know, going from 30 people to thousands, but yeah, I would say in general, it is true. Yeah. That, that healthy churches are going to grow. Yeah, I would say, you know, attendance growth is a is can, definitely can be a marker of health, but it's not exclusively an indication of health because we know plenty of unhealthy churches that are preaching a man-centered um, message. I was going to say man-centered gospel. I don't even believe in that term. A man-centered message uh, that are growing. And I would say that's not a healthy church. Yeah, right. So uh, we think it's a definitely it's a it's a good indication. Like you're saying, it's a metric that's helpful to understand, you know, as a church has to make certain logistical decisions, but, um, that's just, that's one of the ones that that's a question that comes up immediately when we talk about church health, that yeah. church health must mean growth. Growth must mean more people coming to your church, which is like, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. It can be, um, you know, one of the, as I kind of, um, during my sermon, when I talked about how I believe that we are largely a healthy church and I made a very clear distinction, I'm not saying we're a perfect church. Um, right. I was very clear. We're not a perfect church. We have room to grow. There's areas that we can become more like Jesus. But I, I said, we are a healthy church. And some of the indications I said to that was, um, I did say yes, because our attendance is growing, but also even more so, I'd say we preach the Bible. We seek to teach the Bible. Our membership is growing. Uh, we're multiplying as a church. We're not just staying local. We're going regional. Um, I believe that we have people who are out there sharing the gospel, both relationally and also just through evangelism, just getting on the getting out there and talking with strangers about Jesus. Financially, people are giving, they're, they're, they're 
demonstrating a level of generosity. Our church is becoming more connected as people are finding a relationship with one another. I mean, there's, there's lots of markers that help indicate growth. And I'd say even when you look at some of the negative markers of growth, like what, what are not growth? Some, what are some of the negative markers that would indicate a church is unhealthy? Hmm. I would say, I don't have a lot of examples of those things like, you know, um, a real, a real vibe of cynicism in the church, or I don't think gossip is, is rampant in our church. Um, those sort of like those real sort of, um, those again, those, what I'd say markers of unhealth, I can't point to a lot of that happening. And when it does happen, we address it, which is what a healthy church does. Yeah. Uh, when we know people who are going wayward or, or being hurtful or detrimental, um, pastors or elders or leaders discipline or hold people to account. Yeah. So those are some of the things I would, uh, you know, I'd well, respond to church health. Yeah. yeah. Well, to that point, if you, if, uh, if somebody in our church or another church, church member thinks that their church is unhealthy, what do you recommend they do? Who should they talk to? What, the, what should they say? Uh, first thing I would do is I would say is, is pray and not because that's just like the quote unquote Christian answer, but because I think that's the right answer. Number one, pray. And then I think you need to go to your elders. Um, if there's, I think if, if you're identifying one person who's the seed of unhealth, I think Matthew 18 says you probably should go and talk to that person one-on-one. But if, but if a Christian just thinks in a general sense, they don't see health in their church or they see unhealth, then I would say pray and then approach your elder or, and you know, one of your elders, depending yeah, on how your right. government structure is. Um, that's, well, that's what I'd say. What would you yeah, say? Totally. I totally agree. For example, in our church, uh, the congregation each has an elder, a specific elder that is part of their, their zone, their shepherding elder that they can go to. And so if you're going to, uh, contact that elder, I would recommend that phone call or that email ought to be full of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you know, you're, you're, you're sending an email to that guy and you're saying, Hey, I've noticed this. Can you please tell me why that's happening or what you think about that? Or also, I think 100% emails that have questions are received so much better than emails that are full of accusations. Yeah or statements. Um, and also I would say it's very helpful to bring like some examples. Like if someone's going to come to me and say, I feel like our church is unhealthy. I would say, why do you say that? And if they just say, I don't know, I just feel that way. That does not help. Right. Like, what do you actually mean? Like if you care enough to actually have the conversation with your elder, then care enough to come with some specifics. But I, I completely agree with you. I'm so glad you said it. And I want to underscore it again, come with questions. Um, if you think one thing, seek clarification just to make sure that what you're observing is, is accurate, or maybe there's part piece of the puzzle that you're missing that, that a question could help fill in, fill that in. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, uh, there's tons we could say about what is a healthy church. We'll have to talk more about that in the future, but I got one more. I want to talk about a question that came in from a fourth grader. That question is this, if God made us in his image, then why aren't we exactly like him? So fourth grader, wow, what a profound, great theological question. I'm so, so I think one of the ways to think about it is um, when you talk about something that is imprinted or stamped, um, it's not going to be what that thing is. It's just going to be an image of that thing. If you think about it like a, like a stamp, um, not like a posted stamp, but like when you stamp, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a rubber, like a rubber stamp or Play-Doh. You got, yeah. You press an image into something and it reflects that image, but it doesn't become that thing. And so that's what I would say to, to this fourth grader was such a phenomenal question. We, we bear God's image, which means we're imprinted with God's image. Not that we are in, not that we are, um, not that we become his being. We don't become God. Uh, That's That's not what it means. It's, 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 we are imprinted with his image. 
And now we can talk about what that means and what it doesn't mean that to that we talk about there's communicable attributes and incommunicable at, attributes of God. And I know that's probably too big of a term for a fourth grader, but what that means is that there's qualities that God has. Some of those qualities we share, some of those qualities by the fact that he's God, we, we cannot share right. the fact that he's all knowing. We're not all knowing, but there are communicable attributes. There's attributes that we can share, such as um, we can, we can know what love is and share love like God. Um, not, not in the full God sense, of course, um, we can know things. We have intelligence. God has intelligence, wisdom, um, those sort of things. So that's the thing you know when we talk about what it means to be made in God's image. It's not that we become God. We don't become the thing that God is. We just bear an image of what God is. And what yeah. we mean by that is that we share attributes, qualities of God. Some, but not all. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. I was thinking also of just like a son or a daughter to their parent. Mm, you know, yeah. you you often kids look like their mom or dad. Yeah. Um, but they don't look exactly like them, but right. they look like them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a scripture talks about us being God's children. And so I think that's another way to talk about it. Yeah. And also like, for instance, my son, Jed, uh, he, he bears my image in the fact that he's absolutely obsessed with the legend of Zelda video game series. <laughs> it's, it's like all he talks about and all he wants to do and all he wants to play and everything for Christmas is, is Link and Zelda related. And I'm like, my son bears my image. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So shared interests. I like that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's awesome. All, that's all the time we got for today. Uh, finally, I want to say that uh, several of you have sent in questions about Israel, asking about Israel. And so we're actually going to take time to answer those questions next week. So uh, next week, special episode, going to talk specifically about some of the world uh, things going on over in Israel. And we are not political commentators, but we do want to talk about Christian worldview and theology and what the Bible says. And so we're going to spend next week getting into that. So look forward to that. Tune in next week. Yep. Um, We want to underscore this is this is near and dear to our heart. We're obviously concerned as the world is, um, but we're going to be spending the next week kind of watching how things unfold, praying discerning, uh, searching the scriptures, and we're excited to talk about that next week. That's right. I want to take some time so we can talk about it intelligibly. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Pastor Ryan. Thanks, Pastor John. Have an awesome week. You can find That's a Good Question at resoundmedia.cc or wherever you listen to podcasts.